0: would come to... Come to Ballantine's Birthday Blowout. Pick up a special on six-packs of twelve ounce flip-cap bottles of Ballantine beer. More friendly, y- Mason? Sure. Come to Ballantine's Birthday Blowout. Pick up a special on six-packs of twelve ounce flip-cap bottles at Mason, you're losing that friendly tone. Be friendly. Sure. Come to Valentine's Birthday Blowout. Pick up a special on six-packs of twelve ounce flip-cap bottles of Ballantine beer at your dealers. Mason, why can't you be more friendly? This is W-O-R, New York. All righty. Uh, what's going on here? i right, George. Once again, it's this shoddy, slip way of doing... The... <sighs> my fingers caught my control, Turn it on, Mario! <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Oh, yes, and once again, kiddies, Uncle Whoopie's here with a few little story stories for you. Yes, once again, it's old Uncle Whoopie here. And he's got all kinds of little stories to tell you about the balloon fairies. Oh, and Uncle Wiggly with the wrinkled knees. <laughs> oh, you old cigar-smoking reprobate. Oh. That'll hold him on it. That'll hold a little you-know-what's for a while. <laughs> oh, I'm bubbles. Pretty bubbles in the air. They fly so high, nearly reach the sky, and like my dreams go oh, they fade and die. Oh, woe is me, woe is me. I will award you the Brass Fit McGee with bronze oak leaf palms for superior listening from the mud of existence. If you can just tell me who became famous saying, whoa, whoa is me, whoa, is me, my joke, in case you're wondering who I am, friend, so I'm Alfred J. little brother. I'm Alfred J. McCann's little brother. Uh, oh, there's all kinds of ways to come on, all kinds of ways. For example, this is Jay Cheever Paul. coming your way, friends. Yes, a man of astounding, a man of eerie handsome visage. da 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 pa da da dee dee pa pa da tu tu dee dee pa da 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 dee 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 Old spitting J. Cheever loop all here. Tell you a little story or two. Sit around and snap my knuckles and pop my garters. Just while away the time of day, spinning the way it goes. Da 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 dee 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 Oh, there's all kinds of ways of coming out. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways of coming out. <laughs> Now, for example, there is the other way. Here is the other way. Oh, yeah. As the sun shines hot on the tiny deserted town, a dry puff of wind sends the dust scurrying along the ancient duck barns in front of the silver dollar. And far off at the end of town, we see... Tiny figure silhouetted against the golden sunset, carrying a saddle over his left shoulder. His cheeks are hard and tan, his eyes are narrow and deep blue from looking too long too many years into those lost and forgotten arrivals of the old west. The lone lank stranger is coming to town. Ambling gates, slow, moving easy. Lots of ways. There's lots of ways of a man coming out. Yeah, and the wind blows high and hard. And just a few moments now, the last train from Albuquerque. Be pulling out. And they be shooting it out at the old OK Corral. Down at the fur end of the street. And the tall thin man with the narrow blue eyes knows. He meets the final big question. He spits, looks up into that golden disk of the sun. The wind blows high and hard and from down near the end of the street at the railroad station, he can hear the sound of that big old train picking up steam, getting ready to lay him down and pick him up all the way to Albuquerque. There he girds his loins. Pulls up his Smith and Wesson 38 so it hangs slow and easy on that knobby hip bone. Legs spread wide apart, his back to the war, he waits. Oh, there's lots of ways of coming on if you're a long thanks, stranger. Yeah, not yet, he did Oh, I seen many things in my days, roaming the southwest, the simple rebel, against the mores of decadent eastern society. i just come out here to carve myself a little niche in this god-forsaken country. How'd I know that I was going to meet Clag Seastrom and that awful gang of sheep rustlers? But a man knows what he's got to do. And there's a time when a man's got to do what he knows a man's got to do. And a man's got to do and he knows what he's got to do. And there's a time when a man's got to do what he knows he's got to do. I say by George. Wasn't that exciting? Any more requests from the gang out there? And Now, dedicated to soupy sales, we present to you one of our most scintillating whoopies of the night. Here's Stan Getz and Astro Gilberto for McLean's. It's McLean's, the toothpaste that cleans with a new kind of taste that's wild. What a taste, what a zing When you smile, all the bells will ring. Got white, start tonight with McLean's. Taste the difference, try new McLean's, you go. You still using that sweet kid stuff? Try the new toothpaste that gets teeth irresistibly white. You can actually feel McLean's whitening. Your whole mouth feels refreshed and invigorated. Got to white Start tonight with McLean's. Taste the difference, try new McLean's, you go. Ah. Taste the difference, try new McLean's, you go. I'd be the first one in your pad to come out with the new... The new hip toothpaste. I'm like... <laughs> this is exactly the kind of thing that makes little old ladies pop out all over. And I mean all over. Yes, yeah, indeed. Yes, my cousin Charles and I... Many times... Excuse me, I have a little trouble with my upper plate. I... I... right <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> All right, I will award you if you're a trivia fan Now, let's let's straighten it out Now, this is the station that has serious people on it we, I've got to remember, I'm broadcasting from the same studio that John Gambling outgrew eight years ago I've got to remember that I'm broadcasting from the same studio that Walter Kiernan uses All the deep thinkers of our time And I've just got to straighten up, don't you think so, Mario? Straighten up! In fact, I've got a note here, right here. Must notice it. Says up units or something. Straighten up, Straighten. Mister Lee, I didn't even know. It. Are they allowed to use that kind of language in a memo? Are they really? <laughs> taste? Try Newport. Mild natural menthol, great tasting tobaccos, white filter. Newport tastes fresher and tastes better than any other menthol cigarette. Newport. <laughs> I'm the first classical Jews harp player to work the Eastern Seaboard area. What's your gaff, Charlie? Well, everyone's got one. Everyone's got a hooker. And the oh, that's a terrible word here in this neighborhood. We're right in the Times Square neighborhood. I don't want to infuriate any of my listeners out there. Just an honest working girl was the victim of unfortunate circumstances. Speaking of... uh, This is WOR AM and FM New York, and I think we have one more in there, don't we, Marietta? Hit him with while (laughs) They're still wiggling out there all together again. Is your car old enough to smoke? Surprising how many cars are. Is your car old enough to smoke? Surprising how many cars are. Is your car a big smoker? Get Prestone Oil Miser and Curb It's Appetite. Prestone Oil Miser is just what the name says. A miser for saving oil in any car. On sale wherever auto supplies are sold. Added to your regular oil, Prestone Oil Miser stops oil burning, restores lost power. Insist on Prestone Oil Miser. A brand name you know, a brand name you can trust. Get a can of Prestone Oil Miser today and start saving oil. If your car's old enough to smoke, surprising how many cars are. If your car's old enough to smoke, get Preston Oil Miser. That's wiser by far. Preston Oil Miser is a product of Union Carbide. I think I, I got the only car in town that smokes oil. Pat. That's a funny world, isn't it, hey, George? I'm a caterpillar fan myself. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I've been getting all kinds of letters. I don't know why recently, uh, all kinds of people asking me. Now, very rarely do I answer letters on total of this kind. You know, the the generic letter that comes in that just says, uh, Shepherd, why? I don't know. I can't answer that why. However, one letter keeps saying, Shepherd, what are you trying to prove? Who knows? What are any of us trying to prove? What's Khrushchev trying to prove? <laughs> Apparently he proved it. What the... <laughs> What's anybody trying to prove? What's lin trying to prove? Uh, Bertram Russell or Charlie Brown? But the facts are that the, these letters keep drifting in, you know, like snow you like Monster Danver from somewhere out there in that place where all the monsters live. At the uh, oh, yeah, oh yeah, inside of us, there is a whole category there is a whole menagerie of monsters. Do you know that? Have you noticed that monsters follow a certain specific type that monsters, if you can look at a thousand monster movies and you have a vague idea of what the monster's going to be like because you 've got him already in your soul? Oh yeah, have you noticed how many monsters look vaguely like uh, gorillas and apes? how many monsters look like uh you, you know, you never really—you never, you never see a goldfish as a monster—the giant goldfish that swallowed Pittsburgh. You know, it, because we don't—it's not a bad idea. <laughs> Come to think of it, have <laughs> you ever been to Pittsburgh for crying out loud? I'll tell you, but uh, nevertheless, oh no, I'm very, very serious. Pittsburgh is a town that has a ball team, <coughs> and uh, by the way, this for you, Toledo. <coughs> what a town! oh yeah. Holy smokes. If you think Indianapolis is bad, wow. See, none of you people have ever lived. I mean, you people think you've been through hell because you lived in in Trenton, you know, or Tina. <laughs> Holy smokes. Ah! Have you ever been to Zanesville? You know, this is, uh, the only thing you can hear after 9 o'clock is the sound of giant machines in Zanesville going, Groom! Groom! Ah! It's the sidewalks actually rolling up. They have a big machine. They roll up like a shade. It's funny they take them in because people come from Circleville and steal them. The sidewalks, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> if any the are oh, rotten, terrible people out there. Now, if you, if you uh, again, to answer a question, uh, the get back to the serious motif of the show, we're constantly you know, being bugged by people who say uh, we'd like to know the, the genesis, the, the uh, travails and the trials and tribulations of an artist. Uh, Please send me a 17-page article about you because I have to write a 17-page article for my junior class paper this year. And uh, please send me no longer than 17 pages and it must be neat and smudge-free. Please make the uh, margins an inch and a half in a double space so that Mr. Snyder can write his remarks on the middle of it there, and I have to write this piece. And they always want to know uh, what your background is as an artist. How did you begin this way? How did you start doing this? How come you didn't turn out to be Edward R. Murrow? Or how come you didn't go the way of Steve Allen? How come you didn't get to be uh, Walter Kiernan or one of those guys, you know? How come you got to be you? That's hard to answer. It's very difficult. Uh, I have been recently besieged by a large number of letters saying uh, something like, I listen to you and I watch Soupy Sales, you two guys, you know? Somehow I am paralleled with Soupy Sales. Oy. Um, uh, that was by... The will you turn that pump off, Mario? For crying out loud, the air conditioning, it's getting cold in here anyway. Turn it off. Okay. Well, oh, that was a relief. What a nutty pump. Did you hear that thing? Will you turn it on again, Mario? Turn it off, will you? Cheap air conditioning. What they do is pipe in the excess air over here from the Pan Am building. I right think got a, an escape hatch on the top there, you know. <laughs> like, uh, no, but seriously, people, you want to hear the answer to that one? Why Soupy Sales and I are, are there are parallels between the two of us. Really, being very honest with you, no, very honest with you. We both worked in the same place and came out of the same basic milieu. Are you aware of that? Did you know that 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 in the town where I uh, festered. Uh, in the very early days of my developing into whatever it is I do today, and it's very difficult because about every 15 minutes, Mr. Leader here in the front office keeps writing down a thing that says, what is he doing? What what is it? Now what? Is exactly the way he words it usually. Uh, That that both of us came out of this area, and, and it might not ever occur to you that there is a kind of radio and television performing. We were both on TV, by the way. Uh, and radio simultaneously in most cases with a very back and forth and there is a uh, there is something out of town which you people in New York really do not know about and that is that many radio and television centers out of town the various radio stations and tv stations vie with each other for originality of programs that's an unknown concept in New York uh, it really is, and I'm not being anti-New York because, after all, I'm in the business here, but, but originality in programming is steered away from in this town like the veritable green plague of Belgium. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, in fact, if you, t- if you tune up and down the dial, you will hear endless people being interviewed. Uh, by and all, all the same people. By the way, have you noticed that? The, that have you ever noticed that? That the guy will make the rounds. He'll be on Barry, 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 Barry. Then he'll be on Barry, 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 and then all the way on down the line. The, all, there's about 45 guys on the radio named Barry. I don't know how that ever happened, but nevertheless, uh, you will notice, <laughs> you, <laughs> hi George. You will notice that. Uh, but also, the same people make the rounds. You'll hear them on, uh, on the Arlene Whoopi show, and then you'll hear them on the Barry Berry show, and then you'll hear them on the, on the Long Fred show, and then you'll hear them on the Short Charlie show. The same crowd, they just, it's like a giant revolving, uh, a kind of, fantastic Bryn Mawr Daisy chain just goes round and round and round and round and then they make the second loop you see and then slowly a few peel off and, the, and another crowd comes and they go round and round well you'd be surprised now I'm going to tell you something maybe you don't know that one interviewer calls another interviewer in this town constantly the interviewers are in touch with each other and they're always saying hey uh, Barry listen Barry how is Wadawadi Nabi? yeah? oh yeah it's a good show yeah I heard he was on your show last week how did he turn out? yeah yeah, okay, well, I'm booking him for tonight, yeah. By the way, Short Charlie's got him for Wednesday night. Will you give Short Charlie a call and tell him I got him tonight and give uh, Fat Freddy over at Webster, give him a call, yeah, I'll have, you, he'll have him on next week, yeah. Okay. Who? Uh, who what? Rosie Fatty. Uh, no, I haven't had her on yet, but Arlene Whoopi had her last week, and she had, uh, well, you uh, know, huh, regular conk. Well, uh, believe it or not, and it sounds like I'm being funny when I say that, but that is quite literally true. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's the fact. And you would think that that stations which are in in opposition or competition with one another would not do that, but they do. There's there's an unspoken hand clasp of the interviewer that transcends all station call letters and all station loyalists and all that. It's an unconscious hand clap, you know. Just there it is. You you interview. You know you scratch my, well, I scratch, and then so on it goes. Now on the other hand, have you ever wondered why all the same records are being played on all the stations? Well, they get it from the same chart. You know, there's one little guy with pimples, and one little guy with a, with a big mimeograph machine, and he's got about forty five song pluggers working from, and they turn out the chart. That's capital letters. And day after day, these music stations are turning this out. Now. Most people in New York accept this as the way radio is. They really do, and for that reason, of course, uh, radio is what it is. You know, you, you turn across the—it's the, the, just like a giant hum. You know, it comes out. It's just—it's uh, generic. You can just go right across the dial, and you hear the same sounds going on all the time. Then, of course, is the interview Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, uh, you're uh, you're up in, Bron- in the Bronx, eh? Uh, what do you got? Uh, you're you're talking about the civil rights? No questions on, yeah? You say what they ought to do is take all the guys down in the South, all the white guys, and hang them. Very good idea. Yes. Next question. Yes. That's very good. Uh, thank you. And oh, um, uh, 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 uh. yes. You're in Staten Island. What do you have to say? You say that, uh, what, Barbara Streisand is the greatest talent to come along since Michelangelo? I agree with you. She's fantastic. And we're sending you two tickets to Whoopi Girl for tonight. Yes, indeed. Uh, next call, please. Ah, 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 ah. Hello? Yes? You say that they ought to take Henry Potts to what? Sir, this is a family radio station, and we are not interested in obscene opinions. Thank you very much. Ah, ah. Hello, yes, this is Big Fred here, yes. Ah, uh, yes, of course, I'm a liberal commentator. I believe in all the good things, yes. Honest reliability. I believe in integration, segregation. I believe in all the good things. Pat on the back and a handshake. Yes, indeed, yes. Hello? What did you say Time Magazine said about me? Brilliant, scintillating, sharp, hard-hitting, satirical mind? Of course, well, I don't often say that about myself, but if they say it, all right, next question, please. And, well, that's another kind. See, that goes out. Now, <laughs> I do that pretty good, don't I, to get a show like that. Uh, uh, but nevertheless, uh, the, the, the thing that I, <laughs> I want to get out, that there are towns in this country... And it's peculiar, you know. No one quite knows how or why. It's just like at one given time, a lot of writers will stem from a certain city. Uh, a good example of that is in the is in the the twenties. There was what they called the Chicago School of writers. And The whole collection of writers, including Hemingway, all kinds of people came out of Chicago. People like. Dreiser, uh, we could go on and on. Carl Sandburg uh, is really a product of the Chicago School of Writing and Journalism. And all that. Nobody can explain it. It's just that moment in time, they came out of Chicago, you know. And if you ask one of them about how come, I don't know, you know, he can't tell you why. It was just the, the, the way the wind blew. It was uh, that strange thing that uh, is the pot. Uh, who knows why out of a certain time, a certain place, everything came out of Florence. Uh, And I'm talking about Florence, Italy. I'm not talking about Florence Wisnowski, who I I got a letter from the other day, and that's another story. We'll talk about that later. However, uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, gang. Uh, uh, But who can explain these things? Well, I can tell you that I happen to have been working in a city at one point in my career where there was the wildest, most peculiar, irresistible ferment of creativity uh, going on all simultaneously in all the various stations and it was a complete riot. You'd tune across the dial and you would hear one unique personality after the other from one end of the scale right on down. Now you wouldn't know about that in New York because they, they later came to New York, by the way, many of them. And they came, they, they spread out over the country out of this one city and they carried with them that peculiar germ. Uh, um, and, and working at that time in that city, now I can't explain why it was, but the uh, Soupy Sales, as I say, was was working one end of the. He was, just, he was just another guy. He was not big or anything like that. I was working another end of the dial. All around in in this whole thing. Are you interested in this story or not? There were all kinds of fascinating people. For example, uh, every day I used to do a show with a little skinny girl uh who uh, had the look in the eye too everybody had that look you know there was something about a, a drive and something in the air that made it made you want to to uh to reach deeper into yourself and to by all odds and at all costs to not sound like anybody else in this town there's a great drive to sound like somebody else and so there there are hundreds of shows now that are second rate johnny carson shows which incidentally is a second rate jack parr show you know and and uh, have you noticed as you tune across the dial uh, the television dial at night have you noticed now there are 3 or 4 shows that look exactly alike the same guy built the same desk even. They even wear the same suit. They got the same silly smile, you know. Oh, really, ja ja. They sit there all night long, and, and, and the same crowd makes the rounds on that show. So Selma Diamond goes ba ba ba. She's on one night. She's on Whoopi Whoopi Show. She's you know, on the Mervy Merv Show, and then after that's the Jackie Jackie Show, and after that it's the, you know, it's a who knows, you know, and, and round and round they go. Now, uh, the, the one thing that nobody wanted in that other town, in the town that I'm talking about, was to have at all costs a show that looked like somebody else's show, even physically. And so they knocked themselves out to create a totally different atmosphere. And if you couldn't create that different atmosphere, you just didn't get on. You did not get on the air. That's all there was to it. The, the, the real kiss of death was to have somebody say to you, You know, you remind me of Arthur Godfrey forget it, down the chute. Uh, and, and out of that strange area came these people. Now, I can, I can tell you a guy that worked just a few miles away. That was Jack Parr. You know, Parr was working out in Ohio. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, this sounds, sounds eerie to people who probably don't know the background of the kind of create I, I hate to use the word creative, uh, but the kind of entertaining mind that creates a certain milieu which is milieu of itself, which is distinctive. In other words, when, uh, when Parr came out, he didn't look like anybody else. Parr had no relationship with the Steve Allen show. And incidentally, Allen himself came out of that area. It was a whole peculiar thing coming out of the Chicago-Cincinnati-Cleveland axis at the time. This is, the, this is the, where the Dave Garroway show came out of. This is where Kuklafan and Ollie came out of. Uh, all, these, all these things which had bore no relationship at all to uh, girl talk. Uh, which was a typical New York show, people sitting around jabbering, you know, ladies. Uh, (laughs) Really, uh, the typical uh, show of the time is a a Borscht Circuit comic interviewing another Borscht Circuit comic just before the Borscht Circuit singer comes on to sing, which is not exactly what, uh, what you see on Soupy's show, and it's not exactly what you hear here. Now, how to explain it, I don't know. And uh, you know, it's a funny thing. A couple of you, uh, this is by way of personal reminiscence. You know, uh, I came to New York as a TV performer. Uh, I was on TV for oh, a couple of years out in Cincinnati, and uh, and in fact, uh, there are still plans afoot, at least in my mind, to to uh, to go back on TV. You know, do a, do a real swinging TV show. But several times in the past, for those of you who have wondered about this, this is by way of a a personal. Uh, editorial tonight. Is that okay, Lee? Do you think I should tell them this stuff? By way of a personal editorial, I have been, over the past eight or nine years, I have been offered various television shows of one kind or another, but it's interesting to see how they're offered. I will get a call, and I'll go over there, and I'll sit down with the producer, and the producer will say to me, uh, "Chef." now, you're a very funny guy. We like you. We really like your work. Now, what we're looking for is, is a kind of uh, Johnny Carson show. See? Now, if you... <laughs> and, 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 and you just have to hang on. You know that, that Jack Parr uh, refused to... Uh, you know, he had to... He hung on for a long time until finally he got to do the show that was him. And it was not a copy of this show, not a copy of that show. And it takes a long time. And sometimes you have to travel around all over the country before you can make it. As you probably know, a guy like Sales has worked in a lot of different areas of the country because there's a peculiar thing that goes to make up uh, that, that spark or whatever it is that ignites a population or sets off a wave of enthusiasm for what you're doing. And uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, you cannot describe it. Matter of fact, uh, Steve Allen one time ta- uh, mentioned to me, and I'm not name dropping. After all, we're all in the business, and to me, Allen and sales and all these guys are fellow workers. This is not me dropping a name. Immediately, I'll get letters from people saying, yeah, "Don't name drop." Well, when you're after all, is Mickey is is uh, Phil Lyns dropping a name when he talks about Mickey Mantle? You know, he's in the same business. So anyway. Uh, one day he says, "You know, I had to leave." This is a gives you a little insight on how this business works in the way of categorizing people. Uh, he said to me one night, "He says, look, Shep, He says you're going to have to leave New York. He said because in New York they think of you as a radio man. He says, and that he says if they ever if they ever decide to put on a television show." Uh, using the kind of humor that Shepard has, singing, playing, and yelling, and all the stuff. He says, they'll go out, and they'll get David Wayne to play you. (laughs) He says, because they figure you're not, you know, you're radio. He says, in spite of the fact they may come down to the limelight and see you, you know, entertaining the crowd for two hours and swinging from the chandelier and flying and walking in water and blowing the horn and yelling and turning yourself into Charlie Chaplin. He says, they think you're a radio show guy, see. He says, so what you're going to have to do is to go to L.A., He says, in L.A., you walk into town, you blow your nose, (whistles) put out your banjo, and he says, in 30 seconds, you're a big TV. He says, I had to do that. Did you know that he had to leave the West Coast, where he was probably the number one radio man? Did you know that, Mario? To come out, they wouldn't give him a TV show. And he had to come out here like, you know, he walked around looking like he was a new guy in town, an unknown guy. And uh, so that is one of those subtle things that goes to make this thing up. Now, uh, take take the case of a guy like Sales. Sales worked for years out in L.A. and was just, a, you know, a kid show. That's all. He was like, uh, you know, any one of these no, uh, numberless kid shows. The guy like Claude Kirshner and, and uh, Sandy Becker and all these guys. And that was it, you see. They they did not recognize him as other than just a kid, you know, pie-in-the-face kid thing. Now, all of a sudden, he's a big deal. Well, because he came from one city to the next. It's curious. Who knows what? That little... That little uh, strange chemistry, and uh, and uh, I don't know. Does this kind of talk bore you? The, 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 the talk about the business. Does it? Does it uh, interest you at all? Well, uh, speaking of boredom, you got that little thing in there, Dad, huh? Oh, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Me, friends, the champagne, the champagne, the champagne—a bottle of beer is recognized everywhere as a beer of special quality and incomparable goodness. Sparkling, flavorful distinctive Miller High Life is enjoyed in all 50 states and in more than 50 foreign countries. And wherever you enjoy Miller High Life, you friend are assured of the same fantastic, perfect quality every time bring it up. Miller High Life yes, sir, celebrates its 110th anniversary in America. Like the most of us, they're in a rut, ruined in the same tradition that has made Miller High Life famous the world over for... You know, there. That's enough. Yes, sir. That's my baby. Well, you know, uh, the funny. I suppose uh, you can tell. You can do more. uh, Of course, I I think that that's a product of our time, really, more than anything else. Uh, We have a tendency in all of our walks of life, no matter what it is, uh, no matter what uh, area of uh, life that we're involved in, we have a tendency to put people in the very, very strongly compartmented pigeonholes. People and ideas. Uh, maybe it's because uh, there's too much today, and also maybe it's because we're also living in the world of the expert. Uh, no, there has been no time ever in the history of Western man that the expert has been more honored and more has been more. Uh, let's say uh, has been able to proliferate himself proliferate <laughs> he's been able to he's been able to go on and on and so today you'll be surprised at the number of people who are working in various network television radio stations who are experts on radio and television and yet who have never ever actually worked in a studio have never entertained an audience and in fact in many cases don't even watch or listen to the product that they're an expert on now I'll never forget sitting down with a top television executive a couple of years ago. Who uh, he heard that uh, my show was popular and all that. You know, this is a, uh, called me in and uh, proceeded to talk for an hour on on what constitutes television comedy, what constitutes humor, and went on and on like this. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't make uh, heads or tails of it. Really, it was all all kind of uh, in the abstract and so on. And after I had left the uh, the office of God, I I, I asked somebody, well, what, what what did he do before? I says, well, don't you know what he did? And he's a famous, uh, he's as a famous teacher. He used to he used to work as a teacher, and uh, and uh, he he got into network television in, in the early days, and uh, he's a big deal now. And I said, well, what did he teach? You know, well, business and commerce, and. Uh <laughs> And and he has no knowledge at all, and and I later found that that he spends most of his time on a yacht off the coast of Canada, where much television doesn't come in very good, and and he's not known for laughing or even understanding much of anything other than the business end of it. Now, uh, this is is a peculiar condition of our time. Uh, You will find sitting in publishing houses uh, people who really are primarily salesmen. Uh, whose job, they, they'll, they'll sell malt one week and the next week they're selling flexible flyers the week after that they're selling Jaguars and all of a sudden they find themselves selling books and you will find these men suddenly overnight are expert on who is a good writer and who isn't now you wonder why so many great writers will go to 15 different uh, publishers uh, without, getting a, without getting a nibble and all of a sudden the 16th one will buy the book and it turns out to be War and Peace This is an old, old story. Well, you wonder who read it? Well, some cretin read it. Now, he's not a cretin in in the world of business. He's a cretin, though, in the world of letters. Uh, And yet, because he's working in the publishing world, he is in charge. Uh, And uh, he goes around and gives speeches at various universities on publishing. And it's great responsibility to the world and gives advice to young, budding writers. I've seen this many, many times. Uh, and so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a situation which uh, I think is the product, of course, of, again, specialization. And anybody who can claim he's a specialist is automatically run up to the top of the flagpole. And uh, I'll never forget. <laughs> yeah, he is. And, and he becomes that. Uh, all you have to do is get a couple of vague successes, and you are on your way, I'll tell you. Uh, I will never forget uh, running into this situation, and, and I don't want to, you know, to, to name names as ridiculous now, but I remember one time coming again out of that same city, uh, which uh, for purposes of argument is Cincinnati, uh, this, uh, there was a guy working down, <laughs> there's a funny little thing happened, there was a guy working down in, in, in the, uh, well, it wasn't really the mayor room, Uh, not quite. It was the the kind of the accounting traffic department. And he was a young kid who was going to school. And he was going to school and incidentally studying piano. Uh, And he was a bad pianist, which made it even worse. And he would practice the piano every afternoon down in Studio 3 and was kind of a nice guy. And within two weeks, uh, looking around the the station, the television station, he realized that this is an entire organization of nervous men uh, as you'll find in almost any radio TV station, very nervous people. And the one guy who isn't nervous and who makes categorical statements will become very important, especially if he's made them in print. And so he spent three months, now this guy had been in this mm, television station for roughly two weeks, he had spent, he, he spent three months, one summer, Writing a textbook on television. Well, there was no textbook on television up to that point. Uh, many guys had been doing TV for three or four years, but there was no textbook. So this office boy wrote a textbook and sent it away to an Eastern publisher. And he included among his credits his work at this great television station. Now they never called up and said, what does he do? Well, he works down in the mail room down there. You know, he takes the little baskets to say in and out around, you know, and he practices the piano in his lunch hour. But he wrote this book and it was all, he drew all these diagrams like camera A, camera B, camera C, and he used all the various phrases that are common to television. Everyone knows the, the phrases, of, you know, the, I can give you dozens of technical, but he larded it with this, and believe me, within two weeks of publication of this book, he was working as a top programmer in one of the largest networks in the business, and today, he is the head of a gigantic department of a, of a, of a big eastern university here as the television expert. Just went right up to the top. Well, uh, <laughs> and it left most of us standing around, you now, scratching, a little bit embarrassed, you know, and we didn't know which way to go, but this this is, uh, are you interested in this kind of story? This is not, by the way, this is not a sore head, story. I'm just telling you little things that you'll never hear in TV Guide. Uh, <laughs> little background things that make up this fascinating business of broadcasting and television it's rarely talked about and yet I, I think uh, uh, for what it's worth I think that uh, we are and uh, I feel very um, unbelievably privileged to be in it but I think I am and we are anybody who's in it is in probably the most influential of all the areas of human activity today now I'm not saying important that's different I'm saying influential. Influential can be important and also influential can be bad, obviously. And I think so many people in this industry have abdicated their, uh, let's put it this way, they've ab- abdicated their, their birthright as radio and television people to do something with this fantastic thing that's in their hands. And many of them think of it as a way to earn money. It's, it's, a, it's a way that you sell things. And so today you'll find more and more the the radio and television industry no longer considers itself in show business. It considers itself in the business of communication, translated advertising. And so you'll find that the two things are getting closer and closer. Now, a lot of people think that that means that, that advertising controls television and radio. Not so. They're merging together. They're becoming like one monolithic thing. So it's hard to separate B, B, D, and O from Channel Whoopi. You see, they're like the same people. They're the same thing because they're interchangeable. The guys will leave the television station to go work for the agency. And the next thing you know, a lot of guys leave the agency and come work for the TV station. So it's a gigantic, incestuous, single organization. So when when people write these uh, things that say advertising controls this and this and that, no, that's not quite true. It's all coming out of the same people and they're interchangeable in many instances. Uh, And so, uh, getting back to the original comment, in this particular city, at that time, the broadcasters, for one reason or another, not because they were good men or bad, but because it was in the air at that time, interpreted the use of their medium as a creative, distinctive thing. And, in other words, the people who... Oh, you want to know who the young girl was that I worked with? It was Rosie Clooney. Uh, I used to do shows with uh, all kinds of interesting people who, who drifted out of that city because of the atmosphere that existed there at one... now it doesn't exist there anymore. That day and time is over in that town. Just like uh, the great writers that came out of Chicago in the 20s, all of a sudden it stopped, you know. Um, Dreiser and Farrell and people like Sinclair Lewis, all these people drifted out of what they call Chicagoland, drifted, and all of a sudden it stopped. And now the shift is to New York. All the writers are coming out of New York. Mailer, Salinger, Philip Roth. It's it's New York's day in the writing world. And, uh, you know, it just drifts back and forth. you got to keep your old knees loose. Who knows where it's going to go. And if you don't watch out, you're going to get a piety eye, Dad. A piety old eye. Where's my little thing here? Here he is. Here he is. There. That'll hold you for a while. Oh, yeah, it's old Uncle Wiggily, and we'll be back tomorrow night.